Okay, welcome back to episode three of The Lost Guardsman. Colin, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Roger. Um, I am just getting back to myself after um, a weekend in Belfast. Um, Lovely. Yeah, I went up. Uh, I went up with my darling wife to visit her sister that lives up there, and yeah. um, uh, we had tickets to go and see the comedian Bill Bailey. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, in the SSE or Tricity. I think it's the Odyssey. Is kind mm. of you know the way everyone calls the the point. Like it's the three arena in Dublin, but everyone calls it the point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's like the Tricity Arena in Belfast, but I think the original name is the Odyssey. So everyone's yeah, yeah. with that. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was good. Um, Bill Bailey's uh, brilliant. I love. I've I've seen him live once, and obviously seen a lot of his like, yeah, DVDs or whatever you want, or Netflix specials or whatever. He's just so talented. Yeah, he's like uh, as well as being a comedic genius, he's a musical genius as well. Yeah. So it was it was cool. He was he's doing um, <clears throat> he had like these Bluetooth um, bouncy balls or squishy balls, okay. and he gave like one to random people in the audience and then he coordinated them so that like he played a kind of a uh an homage to um can you feel can you feel it uh calling in the air tonight or you know, the <laughs> Phil Collins uh yeah yeah in the air tonight uh, song yeah. and then you got them all to bounce the balls at the right time to do the whole drum I make it sound more like the EastEnders intro <laughs> <laughs> You know the drum roll I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just picture the gorilla playing the drums in the Cadbury set. That's all. Yeah, I yeah, it was brilliant. Um, oh, he was he was he was really good. It's a great um, it's a great venue. Um, hmm. It's usually used for ice hockey for the Belfast Giants. And, um, okay, yeah. So um, yeah, and then back to reality after. Back that. to reality um, now, yeah. Um, how are you? I'm doing well, actually. Funny, I don't know. This is a funny story, but just on that on that gorilla bouncing or playing the drums, there is a fascinating story as to how that ad actually came. I'm assuming a lot of our listeners, and you know the one I'm talking about, the Cadbury's Dairy Milk Chocolate ad with the gorilla playing in the air tonight. Yeah, oh, I know. Anyway, so yeah. uh, tell well, me <laughs> if anybody hasn't seen it, you should go and watch it. It's an absolute treat. But the whole yeah. like story of the guy who created the concept um like i'm not going to go as far as to say like it saved cadbury's but it completely changed people's perception of cadbury's as less of a chocolate and more of like a feeling if that makes sense you know like it was a real it was a real sort of um moment for cadbury as a brand where they stopped like you know like chocolate isn't even featured in the ad once like nobody eats a bar of chocolate you don't even see a bar of chocolate you see a gorilla like in like really slow and you're like what am i watching and it's like the gorilla <laughs> just listening to this song and then doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo, you know i yeah. can't feel it and even right now that makes the hair stand up in my arms like it's I, however that and i you know anyway fascinating Kudos to you roger by the way because that was a far better great song it's a great song i'm gonna go listen to the song after the podcast now forget about the gorilla but yeah. ultimately it, it's a really fascinating story I, i'll try and link it somewhere um actually it's a good segue into the fact that we now have a place where people can see links that we post Yes. Um, we have now got a Facebook page. Yes, that's right. We are boomers and we're going to make you join a Facebook page. But it's the only place we could think of um, to have our listeners uh, come and say hello and interact with us. And we can post stuff and, and chat. Um, I'll leave a link to that somewhere in Spotify or 
Twitter or wherever else I can find. We'll post it wherever we can find it. I might just print it out somewhere and post it on a few lampposts around my neighborhood as well. Old school. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, other than that, I actually hurt my back last week. I was doing, I've been oh, doing no. a fitness regime and I, I was doing back squats and I'm like, you know, I'm not 22 anymore. Like I'm 38 and I just tried to push it that little bit too hard with a back squat and I spent the next couple of days crawling around the place i'm much better now i'm walking Roger. around that's fine this isn't but the first time is it no no i have an absolute i have a history of hurting my back i have a history of getting really into working out like feeling great working feeling strong and then going and hurting myself like pushing myself one too many sets or kilos worth of weight i'm like you know i did 30 kgs last week i'm pretty sure i can do 40 kgs this week and it's like no 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 i should have 32 kgs come here is this part of you said you were doing like a fitness regime for fathers or yes yes this is yeah. a lean and eight fathers uh, uh regime but because i hurt my back i essentially got booted from the program it was a weird oh. interaction yeah, the guy who ran it, I sort of texted him. I said, look, I'm really sorry. I'm after hurting my back here. Can you help me work with me? You know, I wasn't looking for a refund. I wanted to be part of it. I was enjoying it. And he said, no worries, Roger. Refundage of money there. Best of luck. We'll maybe talk in a couple of weeks or months whenever you're healed. And I was like, no, that's that's not what I asked. <laughs> um, but look, um, to be honest with you, I kind of have... I spent three weeks doing it. I feel like I have the tools to be successful now. I have the workout regime. I have the diet plan. Yeah. I have essentially like an Excel spreadsheet on how to map my fitness success. So when my back is better, I'm going to get back doing the steps. Like, do you do you track your steps? I know we're, we're, we're already like five minutes in and we're not talking about uh, Warhammer at all. But do you do you track your steps? Um, I don't track, like, I don't have a Fitbit. Like, I do have a step yeah. counter on my phone. But yeah. then, sometimes when I actually do a run or a workout, yeah. I don't have my phone on me. So, yeah, well, that's, it, yeah. It, it's kind of tracking maybe my my casual steps. But then yeah. um, I suppose if I can get a high casual count, then I know. But yeah. um, it, it's funny enough, um, I'm constantly trying to balance between physical fitness and yeah. uh, getting my hobby time for warhammer and stuff yep. like so yeah um like i play i play with my local ga club here mm. and um um well i'm a i'm a new addition um because mm. i only moved up here like uh, in the last year or so yeah and they're a really good team and uh mm. i'm probably uh, i'm definitely not a starter we'll say that much yeah. um yeah. but but it's, it's been brilliant because they're a senior gaelic football team and yeah. um they've got really good fitness and um, yeah. strength and conditioning regimes yeah. so like it's funny sometimes when you're a hobbyist you know um if you're too much into your sport people in the hobby kind of look at you as if you're a jock but then <laughs> I also know that if I told any of the lads of the football team what I was doing in my spare time, they probably... Why weren't you at training last night, Colin? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I have this really cool Space Marine model that I yeah, was desperate yeah. to paint. They'd be like, you're part of a cult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, um, yeah, no, it's funny trying to get the balance, but like yourself there, um, really enjoying um, some of the uh, strength and conditioning workouts and mm. we have a kind of three day a week program and then we do communal runs on a sunday morning that's and great last week did my monday workout um then i coached the 
first year boys football team at school and I was mm. just walking off the pitch and next thing my knee just locked on me oh. and I'm kind of nursing that um mm. so I'm trying I'm still trying to get in some of my gym yeah. sessions but... you're, you're actually very fitter I know I know you've been playing GAA to a decent level for years now haven't you, you, you you've always been part of at least a at least one GA club. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you say decent level, you'd be talking about the people I play with and not me myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, they wouldn't let you play with them if you weren't if you weren't up to some sort of a standard. They would uh, pretty much yeah. probably tell you to be like, maybe you should come a different like column. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I think I real seniors. Yeah, yeah. I think I represent like the, the bottom acceptable standard to be on the squad. <laughs> I always think about it. if I was to go back playing rugby now, like I would be terrified to be playing with some 25 year old man in his like absolute, absolute physical prime. And here's me, 38 years of age, who would probably like get hurt with a strong breeze, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, but you know look, what it is? You actually yeah, would be fine. You'd be fine in like the ins and outs of the game. It's like. Mm. It's more of a case when something does happen, like mm. when you do put your back out, when you do, yeah. do the body just doesn't have the recuperation speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not Absolutely. space marines, Roger. God damn. We're it. not space marines. Okay, which is a very good segue um, into into why we're here, Colm. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the Lost Guardsmen? What what is this? What are we doing here? <laughs> They've okay. been listening to us for nine so... minutes. We better tell them why they're here. <laughs> So we are, like in the 40k universe, two simple human beings just trying to make our way in the big bad world, only in Warhammer 40,000 it's a big bad galaxy, and mm. uh, uh, we're, we're trying to deal with first world problems, they're trying to deal with intergalactic problems, <laughs> and uh, usually something's either trying to kill you, eat you, enslave you, or um, consume your never-ending soul in another dimension so um our our, uh, our little problems probably aren't too bad in comparison but uh i suppose it's such um i've been in the hobby for 25 years um uh on and off uh, mostly on and uh you've taken a very in a big interest even though maybe casual interest in the past in the whole lore of 40k and it's such a big, wide hobby that uh, it can be overwhelming to see where do you actually jump in and what should you know and what should you not. So I suppose for anyone who's a new listener, our show is about you being that uh, raw recruit, uh, green as grass, and I'm that mm -hmm. grizzled veteran. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, at the still still just a baseline human trying to make his way in a big universe. And um, <laughs> no matter what I can tell you, there's dangers out there that are going to get us. Yeah. I, I, I just reminded myself that uh, I, you recommended in our last episode. So um, that's a really good uh, sort of synopsis of what we are. And if you, this is your first episode, make sure you go back to episode one, where we started off looking at Tyranids. We've moved on. We moved on to um, the Desolation of Baal. And today's episode is going to be more focused on corn. And where we go with this episode or these episodes is just based on, to be honest with you, me, uh, my flights of fancy as to what I find interesting within the world. Um, of course, Roger, uh, that's the chaos god corn, and not the, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we're getting better at these segues not every the single time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Actually, before yeah, I, I forget, I, I... Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I, I actually am so ingrained in Warhammer 40k lore that as I went to describe what actual corn was, the words uh, escaped me. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, uh, you go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, um, the reason you're, I, you're, I forgot, I wouldn't forget before I, I forget to mention this, you recommended me uh, go listen because I asked you for book recommendations. I've started listening mm -hmm. to First and Is it First and Only? Sorry, that's oh, what yes. I was looking at on my phone. Um, so I've gone Gaunt Ghost, so we're like, you're like, yeah. can't think of his first name, Gaunt, and I'm like, Ebram, like Ebram Gaunt. Yeah, and he's got, sorry, there's a newer character introduced now, and he's like his, his like, adjutant, his like, his like, yes, his boy, I don't know what he's called, it begins with M, I think, anyway, that's like me, and yeah. I'm just basically following you around, like, oh, I, I, um, his, his, uh, where, his name is on the tip of my tongue, and, uh, it'll come to you, uh, yeah, it'll come yeah. to you um but anyway really enjoying that book um it's such a you you did say dan abnett is a brilliant writer i love listening it's like you know i love audiobooks and it's it strikes me as it's like um i just think of all quiet on the western front like the the world war one movie yeah. of, of the grime and the muck and the grease and the disgusting like trench warfare all set obviously in this futuristic sci-fi universe but the yeah. imperial guards like there, there's no there's no glory like it's all just grim horrible never-ending fighting and even like when they're on a ship or they're in them um, they've gone like there's a different paragraph where they're like taking time away from the, the front and it's still a pretty grubby world that they're in that they're like in these casinos and it, it still seems like an absolute shithole no matter where they go yeah. anyway and that, I'll, that's, I'll, that's I'll the yeah absolutely yeah. as like even these like you know we talk about space marines and you forget that space marines are like a fraction of the percentage of the population living in this universe um and and everyone else just has an absolute shit time but it sounds like things um okay so we ended up on corn um corn is i think the first of the chaos gods to awaken if i if i remember my homework correctly yeah. um it comes derived from the dark tongue name carneth meaning lord of rage or lord of blood now when I read this on the wiki, it said citation needed. So <laughs> the person just made this up, maybe I don't know, yeah. uh, or they couldn't find the book or the or the reference point that when they were writing this point. But ultimately, yeah, Corn is one of the four chaos gods. Um, the bat one, another faction in the forty k universe. Um, uh, hold on, I'm going to try and off the top of my head. So we have Corn, Slanesh, Sinch, and Urgle. Nurgle, sorry, thank you very yeah. much for reminding me. We'll, we'll touch on the other ones as, as we go through, but um, Corn is very much, um, as I was reading, kind of struck me as like the most honorable of the Chaos Gods, as in they, they, they kind of like marital honor and fighting is like very much the way of, uh, um, the way they look at themselves. Like they, they, they don't like the other gods because of their like, like maybe sneaky ways or decadent like absolutely hate slanesh because of the decadence although like the end goal destruction is generally the same it's like how each of the gods goes about it and yeah and make different so, so uh, like um and uh you said did you say martial honor or marital honor there both are very important. Oh, maybe I, maybe <laughs> marital is the wrong one yeah martial <laughs> honor or yeah like yeah. They, they 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 want to kill like you know the 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 the, yeah. the their 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 slogan <laughs> blood for the blood god skulls for the skull throne it's like death is the end goal 
and yeah. they want to go about it as efficiently as possible. And the yeah. reason they hate Slanesh is because Slanesh loves torture, loves loves like you know drawing things out, as I, as I understood it. And, yeah. and it's one of the reasons that they're like diametrically opposed when it comes to the method of death. They're like, death is what matters, and let's get to it as quickly as possible, as much as possible, and ultimately. It doesn't even matter if if the followers of corn are killing it's like if anybody kills they're unknowingly yeah praising corn like they're unknowingly um, um contributing to corn's strength yeah. yeah like this is um this is why corn is first and foremost on the pantheon of the chaos gods because mm. all murder and blood and warfare honors corn so he can mm. never really be undone bar yeah. we were to live in a wonderful peaceful uh commune of a society which yeah. um uh it doesn't happen in 40k <laughs> and, yeah. um and you see um sunesh is the youngest of the gods who's uh who's basically brought into existence by the decadence and hedonism of the eldari race um, mm. and it his birth or its birth scream destroyed that race but that's maybe a topic for again but mm. um corn so like you said corn like wants bloodshed uh wants um honor and battle like you're supposed mm. to like corn wants you to defeat worthy opponents mm. and i suppose it's nearly like um what they call like you know in sports the purists they, yeah. they, they want yeah. it like they want they want like this faffing about with newfangled tactics they want yeah, you to go like yeah. straight why don't you just kick it up the pitch and boot it into the goal like why, yeah, why, yeah, what is, yeah what's all this side to side pass long ball like, strategy long yeah, ball yeah <laughs> so it's like why, why all this uh side to side and backwards passing like uh Sinesh mm-hmm. is just uh so i suppose if it was a uh, a soccer reference corn will be some guy just like running up the pitch with the ball not passing pulling through people and just booting yeah. the ball in that where uh Sinesh would be over at the side doing little like keepy uppies diggy tacky <laughs> yeah 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 keepy uppies and like like balancing the ball on his head and all this and corn's yeah. like you're just you're just showing off yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah no that's the you you put you summed up really well and that's why they're mm. why I, I they're both into murder and killing but um the very essence of the culture of how it's done uh they're diametrically opposed so yeah well put mm. Mm. yeah I, I i was fascinated you know you think of chaos gods within this universe and you think well they're all on the same team here but while the end goal is is the same they are you know the way they go about it actually leads to kind of rivalries between them um i guess nobody on the on in chaos has any friends put it that way um, <laughs> everybody is you know some people are some people are just like the enemy of my enemy is my friend uh, you know yeah. approach to this um, and, and this is the thing chaos um while chaos sees the annihilation of all things uh, chaos is actually it, it can never really win because they, they call it the great game and the mm. great game is this uh competition between all the chaos gods mm. and so even though they will unite in common purpose mm. when did they have defeated all that mm. opposed them their very first instinct then is to go and turn on each other again yeah and so corn yeah. will, will like they'll, they'll turn on all of each other but corn will specifically 
go for Sunesh and Zeech mm-hmm. and Nurgle dislike each other too. Even yeah. though like Corn hates magic, so Zinch would be the most That's right, yeah. magical of the Chaos Gods. So you would first think that Corn would hate Zinch more, mm. but he actually just hates Sunesh because Sunesh uses magic too. And also mm. when Sunesh does what Corn does, it does it in such a weird, mm. fluffy way that um Corn uh, just is disgusted. Where yeah. At least Zinge keeps to his nerd books and doesn't get up all in Corn's job. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, is a pretender, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something else interesting about like the worshiping of Corn is very much like you worship Corn by killing. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. Like there's, um, I read a bit about, uh, you know, Corn would more more corn the god would punish you for like building altars like would would be more likely to punish you for building temples and altars to his name than 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 praise you because ultimately praising him is is killing is is just yeah. murder and and death and um like his 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 minions or whatever you want to call them that's pretty much their primary focus yeah um now if the if the the altar is made completely out of the skulls of the slain he, he'll allow you a bit of creativity yeah. there like well uh, that's we'll, we'll get to cabanda and how we got here in the first place because that's yeah. ultimately a, a pillar or you know pillars of skulls of of um tyranid skulls is how we got here in the first place uh yeah. but um i want to touch on the number eight next so the number eight is a sacred number to is it is it all chaos gods or just corn um just corn so all chaos gods have a sacred number Okay. And so okay. for for Sunesh it's six. Hmm. Um uh for Nurgle it's seven, Corn is hmm. eight, and Zinch likes nine. And uh likes nine. Is it really down to just their preferences, like you know, their Tinder yeah. profile or whatever? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny enough, Nurgle Nurgle's symbol is kind of three circles. So three has a lot of uh, influence with Nurgle as well, but seven mm. is actually the number of Nurgles. So okay. um yeah. maybe that's a whole topic for another conversation is like the numbers associated with, with these things. But yeah. um the number eight. So like there's a couple of things where an eight comes up with uh, um corn, if I remember. So there's I think there's eight pillars in in corn's home world or sorry where where he lives i can't remember the name of of the plane where he exists uh, so just would it within the warp it's sort in of, the warp sorry yeah now there, really, is, there is something i'll just mention at this point because yeah the thing about all the chaos gods is that we, we're going to be focusing on them in relation to warmer forty thousand. but mm-hmm. the cool thing about games workshop lore is that the chaos gods and their followers exist mm. in all the games workshop ips mm. so age of sigmar which is the fantasy setting yeah. the chaos gods are the big bad of that okay and they're the big bad of the 40 oh, War, warhammer cool. 40,000. so even when you're playing a different game system um mm. corn is still the big thing or you know all the chaos gods are so yeah. actually uh, there's one faction um corn demons or sorry mm. chaos demons in general that mm. if you have an army for chaos demons for warhammer mm. forty thousand, mm. you can also play age of sigmar with that same army the, oh, rules, yeah. the rules might yeah. be different but i was gonna ask you yeah can you just transfer the models you can't have like 
world eaters though in the fantasy setting can you, you can't, no you can't have no. chaos marines showing up and it's like with their heavy bolters yeah. and stuff like that haha cavalry charge <laughs> <laughs> no yeah exactly but uh yeah. for, for the demons themselves absolutely yeah. Mm, mm. yeah that's cool um okay i didn't know that um but yeah so the number eight pops up a lot so it's it's how they divide their 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 legions as well into mm. into into Again, sorry, I don't remember the specific breakdown, but they oh, yeah, use the like, number eight breakdown. Cohorts and cohorts. Like, yeah, but ev- everything everything is um, in figures of eight, um, mm. which is actually done quite well in the rules. A lot of the coronate effects. Um, again, I know we'll, we'll get into this later, but mm. a lot of the, the ranges are either eight or sixteen inches. Oh, or, cool! You know, That's... Not, not about the multiples of that number. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'll probably say very... more about that when we're in the yeah. actual game representation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so they break down into the eights. Um, they're funny, actually, I read this. I think the eighth wave of attacks is always the strongest attack, you know, in, when, when, when they are attacking, apparently. And another thing is that, like, apparently we haven't... I think there's a the prophecy or something. Again, I'm trying to remember all the stuff I read before this podcast. Like... So there's a reference to the fact that like we haven't seen the strongest invasion of corn or attack from corn yet because it hasn't been the eighth one yet and that made okay. me immediately think that like geez you'd hate to be like the sixth wave going well we've no chance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what i mean like well, again that's not their point like their their purpose is to kill so even if they were in yeah. the sixth wave they'd be like i don't care if i succeed or not let's just kill as many people or things as possible but again yeah. now that we have a facebook page Feel free to refute me in the in the comments, uh, <laughs> but um, I'm trying to think of other things in reference to. Well, eight. you know, I'm sure, but, like for a lot of opponents that they come up against, the first wave does more than enough to leave yeah. them dead behind. <laughs> like, so. Woo! At least that wasn't the eighth wave, lads. We're all <laughs> dead, but like, at least that wasn't yeah. the worst of it. Um, so, you know, it's it's just interesting to me. One thing that came up actually, this is not related to eight, is copper or is it copper? Brass. Is it metal? He's brass. brass. Sorry. Brass is the metal that that is very much like yeah. I think he's got a corn's got a title of something to something of brass and he sits yeah. on a brass throne. What yeah. is the reference well, to brass? Do you sorry, he's any, a brass. Any... Uh, I think he's got the brass citadel, but uh, his skull, mm. his throne is of course of skulls. Um, okay, okay. The, 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 re- the reason for brass is because brass is such like a primordial primitive metal. Okay, um, and like. <clears throat> The way chaos exists within the lore of 40k is that they mm. exist within the dimension of the warp. And the warp is basically um, a reflection of all sentient mm. emotions. And mm. so people being very emotional creatures, all mm. the kind of um, desires and struggles and pains and wishes and moments of happiness, joy and grief and murder and despair all of that echoes in the warp and the chaos gods are basically a culmination of some of those most powerful um feelings Mm. and emotions and the act of murder and killing has been in human society since you know humans were waving Mm. bone clubs around over their heads Mm. so like one of the since cain killed abel there you go yeah and so it's very it's very biblical in a sense so 
um one of the one of the most powerful demons um that uh, appears in warhammer 40k um but well even back he appeared during the horus heresy as many things do um yeah. but uh he's he's the demon created by the first human murder mm. so like that powerful emotion of rage but the cold he's not the first death because people fought and like fought over food fought for for survival hunted and stuff but this demon Mm. was created by the first act of murder you know the the desire to to kill someone for selfish gratification that like that that's really primordial that's really kind of like deep in this like inner Mm. psyche like and Mm. that's what makes that demon so powerful because firstly it's so ancient and secondly yeah. all the murders that have happened ever since just mm. feed into it and make it and mm. um, so like going back to that like even when fighting chaos like it's it's really primal things that actually give them form but also that are best um used to work against them in battle mm. so like um there's a battle between the ultramarines when they first come across demons and they're kind of um they they got betrayed by the word bearers in the battle of Celts. but mm. when they're fighting these demons they see them initially as xenos like the species mm. but they start mm. to understand that this is more kind of esoteric than that Mm. And they find that their bolt guns are only having a limited effect against them. But when they actually mm. go and fight the demons, like blade in hand, sword to sword, and use flamethrowers and fire and mm. things, that mm. starts working far more effectively. So, yeah. again, brass is probably because it's such a, like, you know, it's not a fancy alloy of a metal. It's yeah. like yeah. real basic, real ancient. And I think yeah. that's corn. Corn probably likes brass because, you know, it's. Um, it's been killing people since uh, yeah. you know, forty thousand BC, like yeah, know. since brass was a boy. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Actually, I, I I didn't put that together, um, but it was just it just jumped out at me as like brass. What a weird metal. It's not a metal you hear referenced in fantasy a lot. You know, mm. it's it's like uh, steel and iron and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, so that's kind of anything else on the number eight. Did I did I miss anything when it comes to number? No, I know they like carve it into their skin and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the followers of porn carve the number eight into no, their skin. I think you've um, said it well enough. Yeah. Um. The next thing I learned a little bit about was obviously like the 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 warriors of corn, uh, the mm-hmm. people or the demons that fight. Um. I, were broken down into four different types. So we have, um, from <laughs> from ascending power to descending power or maybe we'll start at the bottom for power power rankings although that's probably not actually true now they read it out loud but you've got juggernauts right and yeah i when i was reading about this i was like i don't think i've ever seen these guys in a video game in a in a in a in a on a tabletop or reference before these guys are essentially like um, like a melding of iron and flesh rhinoceros like they're yeah. you know it's the best way to describe them they're like rhinos that are kind of this melt they're, they're a mount essentially yeah and they're just giant rhinos and um they are incredibly hard to tame and um, i think it's like a rite of passage i believe to try and like mount one and get it you know if, if you if there's a 
a, a demon that's able to ride one this is like a big deal yeah they, they can they they are they are hard to like virtually impossible to tame and there the several references to like the pens that they keep them in are just littered with bodies of people who've tried to tame them basically yeah yeah that's um, that, that's it so they are i actually have some juggernauts for i so while i collect the glorious space marines in warmer 40,000, mm. i collect in age of sigmar uh the blades of corn okay and, uh that army you can collect them either as um the demon corn uh army or you can collect them as the mortal followers of corn mm. or you can mm. do a bit of a, a mix match um mm. Mm. so i'm i'm primarily mortal followers of corn but like mm. um i have these uh knights and they're called um uh, all the, all the unit names have like some combination of either skulls or blood in them but they're called uh, <laughs> they're called skull crushers i think and yeah. they're basically like warriors of chaos warriors of corn yeah. uh riding juggernauts and mm -hmm. the demon counterparts uh are the same they yeah. ride uh juggernauts and um, but yeah. as you say, it's a rite of passage if you try to tame one it'll most likely kill you and yeah. you have to be like very mighty indeed to mm. make submit to your authority yeah. Um, yeah yeah when i started doing the homework i was like i've never seen these before but then i saw some cool models being painted up and i was like oh they're pretty slick looking all right yeah. they are essentially these giant rhinos like uh, yeah. very, very I'll, I'll show you uh, next time next time we meet up in person I, i'll show you i have three of them so yeah, cool. cool uh next up on the list we've got flesh hounds mm -hmm. pretty self-explanatory demon dogs yeah. Uh, the only thing I would say is that, um, and this took me by surprise, is like these are t these are bigger than Space Marines. These are not like doggies that are you know you, you know your regular dog that's just like that just looks a bit weird or looks like a demon. These things are bigger than Space Marines, and that really put it into oh these things are like less dog and more giant bear or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, so so they're probably like model wise, I'd say a Space Marine is taller. But like mm. obviously it's a four-legged, it's quadruped animal. So mm. yeah, flesh hound stand on its hind legs would be bigger than a okay. space ring. Interesting, um, interesting. I'm yeah. hoping someone does. I hope someone does eventually end up on our Facebook page and correct you because that's not what I read. I read they yeah. were they were bigger than space marines. I guess yeah. from a lore um, standpoint and a model standpoint, like do, do do the models always accurately represent, you know? Uh, um, yeah like it depends like maybe it's it's the there's the potential for one to grow bigger than space marine but like okay. like i'm literally I feel like i've over... challenged like one of your core beliefs here and you're just yeah no 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 <laughs> like I'm, I'm looking over at my display case where i have um an age of sigmar mighty lord of corn who yeah. is modeled with um a, a flesh hound like on a leash and right. he, he's like the age of sigmar equivalent of a space mm. marine size model and okay. he's t he's taller than the flesh hound like he's mm. okay like, um i can we even find him. If, if you if you could keep speaking for a moment i could pop <laughs> over and get them to show you on screen it won't really translate to an audio no, me medium no, column look no. our listeners don't give a shit about you and your display case <laughs> yeah, yeah but if you if you look if you even look um uh, on a tab there and just look up like mighty lord of corn you'll see like they are they're bigger than they're bigger than your average dog anyway so okay um, all right we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll leave it at that for now yeah. um not much else to add they're just giant demon dogs um pretty well, well you know, pretty lethal 
one go on. reason the reason that they've been created is because their speciality if it uh, if you will oh is... don't tell me they have they have psychic hoods they have they have like collars that prevent them from being attacked uh psychically yes, they're really yes, good yes, against yes. psychers yes thank you for for yes. I, I knew i knew something else i was like it was coming to the end of my knowledge there. i was like no i know and something collars are made out of brass yes <laughs> yes <laughs> well done pure, pure guess but i was like what else <laughs> did we talked about like <laughs> um so well, I didn't know it was brass, but that's cool. Yeah, so they're really effective against psychic enemies. Yeah, they're, and they're, that, they're that's why immune. Corn has basically created flesh hounds for running and hunting down cowardly magic and psyker users. So again, in forty thousand psychers in uh, Age of Sigmar wizards. So ah, they, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's cool. Um, next up uh, is what we call like I suppose our rank and file coronate demons blood letters yeah uh, brilliant very and that's another thing to point out that that corn uh, is a very melee focused um sort oh, of yeah. uh, um faction if you will uh, yeah. very much hand-to-hand combat is there oh, yeah. is there is there uh, bread and butter um yeah blood blood letters excuse me they're yeah they're bipedal demons love getting in nasty they've got horns they're kind of like What's oh what's the name of those goat people? Um, aren't they? Don't they have like? Isn't their lower half kind of like cloven hoofed and their upper? Yeah, half kind of de- de- definitely. They're, they're like your kind of. Um, they're probably the easiest of the. Well, in my mind, they're nearly the easiest of the chaos demons to visualize because they've, mm. they're, they're, they're that sort of um, standard demon hell demon look. Um, Mm. Um, now they've got these kind of like that's elong- a mythological creature with with, um, with that's like half goat. Centaur Han is or no. no no no. I'm just picturing oh. the guy with, with the little pipe. Pan like, yeah. is one of the this yeah. race of people. Oh, yeah. uh, a sat- is, is it, it's like a, a satyr or something. Satyr, satyr. Yeah, I think it's S T Y or is it? I think, yeah, anyway, something like that's that. That's in my yeah. head, kind of a really twisted version of that. Like that's kind of yeah, yeah. These guys, know. these guys definitely wouldn't be like playing a nice, uh, soothing tune. They're not in a Midsummer's night. Night's Dream, like you know. They're yeah, not yeah, in Shakespeare. yeah. No, no. These guys are. These guys are as tall as space marines. They've got really yeah. kind of. Um, they've got really large skulls. Um, uh, mm. As you said, they're horn demons, um, but they're bipedal, kind of hoof-like. Um, or mm. well, not necessarily hoof. Some of them have kind of more clawed feet, um, mm. and then they wield these um, giant two-handed like uh, warp swords. Um, yeah. But they've been incarnated different ways on the tabletop over the years, and sometimes yeah. they were more kind of hairy and goat-like in some of the mm. older models, but. Um, the mm. kit that they have now is quite old, and it's um, mm. but it's a good kit, and you know they look they look good. I I, I think they're one of the best the proper looking demons. Um, yeah, of the of the setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, so yeah, they're your kind of bog standard rank and file sword, like you said, big two handed warp swords, like getting it in, like getting in up close, nasty. Mm. Um, and then uh, the sort of top dogs are your bloodthirsters. And yeah. these are your sort of 
generals, if you will, um, uh, maybe even like higher than generals. I don't know. Like they're they're literally the most powerful of the demons. Yeah, and that's when we kind of talked about Cabanda in the last one. One of like the original eight. Um, I can't think of the name. Wave. What do you call it? They're they're, they're uh, I, I, wave. Or... I have cohort in my head, but what I'm thinking is yeah. um, what I am thinking is um, they're. they're type of demon is they're a greater demon so yeah, yeah. are greater demons of corn every mm. chaos god has a greater demon type so mm. he stands mm. like many times the height of a, a land so yeah they're definitely way bigger than space marines <laughs> and, yeah uh, yeah um they uh cabanda then was not only a greater demon like a bloodthirster but he was an exalted mm. bloodthirster so as you said he's mm. in the he's in the top eight and yeah each of those is the head of a, a group of eight bloodthirsters below them and so mm. on mm. so everything kind of um kind of steps trickles down the hierarchy in units yeah. of eight yeah um, yeah so uh yeah no uh cabanda's up there yeah mm. and these are like giant big wings huge big I, I'm picturing in like I think Dawn of War Two, the game I played, like yeah, like mm -hmm. you said, like many times taller, like just giants, like striding across the blade battlefield with these yeah. giant big wings and horns, and if I remember correctly, one of them had a big giant flaming sword as well. They can um, do like they tend they to have, they, they tend to favor axes. axes yes, I, and again, I, maybe it was an axe I'm picturing as well. Um, but yeah, these are the sort of. Um, yeah top dogs and are like you said like just massively destructive huge huge big lumber and, I, and again i can picture the models as well in the tabletop just being far bigger than anything else on the battlefield am i right yeah they're real centerpiece models and uh, mm. they can do a lot of damage um yeah they're really into um again uh, resistant to magic and uh, can just want to get up close and personal. They they mm. can move a lot faster than the rest of the army because they can fly. Because they've mm. got like think of these giant like the height of a house of, uh, mm. of a two story house demon with massive bat like wings and made of mm. pure muscle, armored mm. in this ancient bra brass um, mm. and. Um, wielding an axe that would like cut through like uh several mm. people in one stroke and then they usually have a whip um yes well. yeah, yeah, yeah and unlike slanesh that would probably use a whip for kinky times um, and <laughs> uh, this is more for like yeah. reaching out and ensnaring cowards that would try and run away and drag yeah. them closer so oh that's cool again happy to use the same instrument but with a different outcome yeah I'm thinking. I'm you know what I'm picturing right now. I'm picturing the Balrog from Lord of the Rings. Yes, certain degree. Um, yes, I, I, there's definitely similarities you can draw between the Balrog and, yeah. and one of these um, um, bloodthirsters. Absolutely, um, if, that's a really good comparison, actually. Yeah. Um. So how we got onto this topic in the first place was um one of the first primary um let's say we'll use the word cohort for now is Cabanda. Uh, one of the original exalted. blood blood exalted blood thirsters mm -hmm. um if you listen to the previous podcast you know um he goes way back <laughs> with the <laughs> uh, the blood angels and uh, sanguinius their primarch um he pops up a couple of times in in the sort of the the lore um a, you know he's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with sanguinius he 
I believe he was defeated in his initial battle with Sanguinius and banished back to the warp again. Mm. Or was it Sanguinius who defeated him the first time around? It was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and ultimately, ultimately, he was banished. He was like mocked and ridiculed when he was banished. When he arrived back to Corn, Corn actually banished him to the something wastes. I can't remember what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the the outlands of of the warp is. <laughs> yeah, and ultimately set other bloodthirsters on Cabanda, as in like hunt. They went out to hunt him down. Yeah, but he managed to kill them off one by one and collect their gear and got stronger until eventually he kind of like fought his way back to a position of honor with corn yeah and um, so much so that he got another mission which was to kill 500 blood angels and that was kind of like this magic noise like an rpg like it's like go kill five rats <laughs> go kill 500 uh, uh, <laughs> blood angels and he pops up again Around the time of the Horus Heresies, the yeah. Siege of Terror, I believe. Yeah. Again, Horus Heresy. Yeah. We we should eventually talk about the Horus Heresy in this podcast, but it's just yeah. too big. We can't we can't yeah. we can't uh, start yeah. there. But ultimately, again, uh, hunt fighting with Sanguinius actually like knocks Sanguinius down, um, and I think breaks both his legs at the time. I think we referenced this in in the last podcast mm-hmm. as well. Actually, kind of leave Sanguinius alone a little bit to go and do this killing of five hundred blood angels. Um, and well, well, that that would have been at the their first their first encounter between Sanguinius and Cabanda was when Cabanda broke Sanguinius's leg. Oh, sorry. Okay. And then it was I was uh, explaining um, last week that uh, Sanguinius, you were saying he was like the. The knight in Monty Python, he, he yeah. legs were broken. He was like, you know, we'll call yeah. it a draw. But yeah. um, uh, Cabanda just realized, okay, this guy's cutting bits out of me, but mm. he loves his followers. Um, mm. which, what, what a weak emotion. So yeah. punish yeah. that, and he just like yeah. blitz through 500 of them in a matter of seconds. Yeah. So, which. Yeah. Which ultimately leads to the cause of the red thirst, if I remember correctly, the the, the blood angel's weakness, or or it causes no, I, that anguish. Or, no, or maybe, I I no? don't think think so because the red thirst was something. So where Cabanda meets the blood angels is Cygnus Prime, and mm. uh, the reason the blood angels are in Cygnus Prime is because Horus has sent them there because mm. the only other Primarch who knows about the red thirst is mm. Horus um, mm. and um, Sanguinius doesn't realize Horus has turned traitor so he trusts him absolutely and Horus basically right. tells Sanguinius that the cure to the red thirst may lie with an ancient enemy that they had previously defeated but who has now reappeared in Cygnus Prime and that's why mm. the Blood Angels go to Cygnus um system in such force because this was mm-hmm. a real dangerous enemy a xenos that they came across before mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. They, they would be a big threat if they have a, if they had indeed resurfaced it would have been a big threat to the um uh imperium but also sanguinius mm-hmm. has heard or oh, this could cure the, the red thirst so mm-hmm. it is probably the inclination towards drinking blood and the fact that the blood angels are so uh, close combat mm. and assault orientated that attracts corn mm. and cabanda to try and mm. entice them mm. over and okay. that, that that that's where it comes from but yeah you are right in that um 
Cabanda then, uh, despite being banished in Signus Prime, does resurface again later on. Mm. And uh, mm. you mentioned earlier, he comes back to um, uh, defeat the Blood Angels, uh, or not defeat Blood Angels, but to defeat the Tyranids at Baal, because only yeah. he should be the one to claim the Blood Angels' skull. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's I'm the one who's going to be killing the Blood Angels, nobody else, and and that's kind of where he kind of surfaces for this third time. Yeah. I did want to touch on something I thought was cool because I ended up clicking on links. Um, we've done quite well as to avoid rabbit holes on this podcast so far, but let's let's not. Let's I, not I'm <laughs> quietly burrowing <laughs> one here while yeah, uh, okay, right, let's <laughs> you soon. So I saw something that I thought was interesting that Cabanda might also be the cause of the Black Rage, and you know this it's apparently it's it's a very it's a very um argued over topic as to what has caused the black rage within blood angels um but i, I touched on the black rage okay whatever about that but then it also came across do you remember you were talking about the, what is it the primers primaris space marines the new yes. ones the taller ones what are they yeah. called again yeah primaris you're correct Primaris. Oh, I got it right. Cool. Oh, man, um, you, are, Primaris... you are knocking out the park. This <laughs> the Primaris Space Marines, you said, like, are supposedly more resistant to the Red Thirst and the Black Rage and things like yes. that. But apparently that's not as true as we think due to the Colvan incident. Now, we, we talked previously to the, the... The reason we know a little bit more about this is because of the Colvan incident. The reason I thought this was funny... <laughs> Is because if you watch Dodgeball, you'll know about the Helsinki incident of 1911. And we all remember <laughs> what happened there. <laughs> you remember that, re- you know, that reference that they just like this throwaway, like Helsinki incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, absolutely nobody knows what they're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, but yeah, I just yeah. thought when I saw the Colman incident, I was like, this is the Helsinki <laughs> incident of the 40k universe. Yeah. That mightn't be funny to anybody else, but I chuckled away to myself. So the Colvan yeah. incident is a fight between these Primera Space Marines and the Alpha Legion on Kovan. Yeah. Um, okay, so apparently the Alpha Legion managed to draw out this fight for so long that they initiated the, the, the Black Rage within some of these Primera Space Marines, so much so that they started to tear people apart with using their bare hands and so on. Anyway, it's a very short paragraph and I went down this rabbit hole about how these Primera Space Marines are not like this cool step up and you know in terms of resistance yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And it was just the reason we know this is because of the Coban incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um it is um it is that thing like uh, the initial hope for the Blood Angels is that there is mm. uh new um new and improved space means that'll be resistant to it but yeah like it's it's well known at this point that uh, mm. they're not immune mm. to it now they are supposed to be more resistant to sure it, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah and that doesn't manifest as um mm. commonly mm. but it does yeah. yeah it does still manifest yeah. and it's yeah. um, okay all right i just i i went that was my own personal rabbit hole i went down um because where I want to go next is, okay, we spoke about Cabanda, where he showed up, the skulls, obviously. Um, but I want to pivot towards um, his other followers that are not demons. And yes. the, the sort of where we start with this is more, it's probably the best place, is the world eaters. Um, yes. The chaos space marines. Yes. So the space marines that sided with chaos during yeah. Horus heresies, correct? Yeah. Yes. So you, you can't talk about... Um, the 
Cornate followers um, of chaos in the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe, without talking about uh, mm. the world eaters and their primarch Angron. So, mm. Angron ha- in the world of Forty Thousand, Angron is not far off a bloodthirster at this point. He is um, a demon prince of corn, and a demon prince is a mortal who has been blessed by the chaos gods and raised to demonhood and so they are now immortal and they've got this it's the lovely sweet spot for the chaos gods between mortal followers who exist in the real universe and uh also all the immortal power of chaos where like demons can only manifest where the veil between reality and the warp is thin a demon Mm. prince can you know, cross that boundary and isn't as reliant on it. So um, mm. when a mortal has really and suitably impressed the gods of chaos, they will be raised to demonhood themselves. Um, mm. It's like CEO levels, top rank, uh, yeah. big, yeah. big, big job. So the story of Angron is actually quite a tragic one because now he's just this big hulking angry furious monster who just screams blood for the blood god skulls for the skull throne and runs around hacking whatever's within reach mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. his beginnings were all so much nobler and the story of angron began like all the primarchs when they were mysteriously spread across the galaxy before they'd fully gestated and mm-hmm. so angron landed on this planet called new syria and um as an infant um he was uh, discovered in the mountains surrounded by several dead xenos and it is believed that the xenos in question may have been eldar or eldari who Mm. with their psychic powers and ability to look into the future may have known the calamity to the universe at large that angron was going to become so they tried to Mm take him out uh right they were waiting for him they knew where he was going to land basically yeah where the problem is even the primarch as an infant is still like a super Mm. powerful ninja godlike warrior so he was able um even in his most base form uh, overcome these attackers but Mm. he was grievously wounded and he was discovered by um slave masters from this culture so new syria the thing about humanity is before the emperors created the Imperium, humanity had already spread quite far across the stars. But there was um, an incident, a great calamity called uh, Old Night uh, that led to the Age of Strife, where basically all the interconnectivity of the human expansion had been lost and um, different civilizations lost contact with each other for millennia. So, mm-hmm. like the emperor's great crusade isn't the first time humanity is spread across the stars a lot of Mm. the worlds that they conquer aren't like held by aliens they're held by humans that have developed Mm. their own civilization now they are conquering aliens as well and they're running Mm. into Mm. orc empires and they're coming across all these different xenos there's a lot of different types of alien that don't exist in Forty Thousand because they were Mm. annihilated into extinction during the great crusade Mm. But you have all these planets of hu- human uh, 
plans. A bit like we, we talked about Baal last week with um, or last mm, episode mm. with uh, Sanguinius and um, mm. uh, the Emperor rediscovered that uh, human mm, mm. Uh, colony. Well, Nyseria was um, Nyseria was a planet like this. It was quite a technologically advanced planet, so it wasn't like Baal, where it's like you know tribes of humans, um, sort mm. of Mad Max style, trying to survive in mm. a post-apocalyptic desert environment. Nyseria was mm. a very well-developed society, but it was a bit like high-tech Rome. You basically had these patricians living in fantastic wealth and everyone else was mm. poor, living in mm. slums. Mm. And the way that they kept the oppressed masses under uh, keel was um, to throw on the games, like the ancient Romans did, the gladiatorial game. Mm. So... They find, slave masters find this like wounded, but obviously very well built, dangerous warrior and they bring him and they make him a gladiator. And mm. so Angron, you know, he fights in the arenas and uh, being a Primarch, he rises to prominence as a great warrior. Mm. But the difference between Angron and the other Primarchs is they, like Sanguinius that we mentioned and like all the other Primarchs, uh, who rose to positions of power within their society. Angron remained a slave. He was just mm. a really entertaining, great warrior. But mm. at the time he tried to escape, he it never worked. And um, mm. one thing he developed, which was like a real kind of, um, a, a very little known thing about Angron was that he actually had an ability to absorb other people's pain. So... He actually used to suffer for some of his fellow slaves and they lived these awful oppressed lives. And oh, that's and, awful. Yeah. Angron was able to take their anguish to relieve, relieve their suffering a little bit. And so he very nobly took this on, on his own shoulders. You know, I, I don't like where this story is going, Colin. I, so, I don't know if I want to know the end. Of this. So, so <laughs> Angron is, um, he eventually is taken one day be, um, and he has these implants called the butcher's nails grafted inside onto his skull and connected to his um, cortex, like to his brain system. Mm. And this leads to hyperaggression, extra adrenaline production, immunity to pains, mm. but uh, mm. nulls all other emotions bar anger and aggression. So mm. Angron starts becoming more and more bloodthirsty and the, these mm. implants were made to make him fight his old mentor that had mm. kind of an older gladiator who'd been a bit like a father figure to him. Uh, Angron was meant to fight him. The two of them fought together in this like um, masked battle where they were the only survivors mm. and the, the cruel overlords instead of just letting them be victors, made them turn on each other. But Angron mm. refused to fight. He mm. was like, I'm not going to kill my mentor. So um, they grafted these butcher's nails onto him. And uh, next time uh, that uh, Angron was aware of his surroundings, he had already butchered mm. his old mentor without even realizing mm. it, you know? Mm. And so that added to his anguish. So at this point... Uh, Angron was like, okay, I have to get out of this slavery. And um, he became more determined. And so he led a slave rebellion. And just armed with, you know, uh, close combat weapons, they managed to rush their uh, high-tech armed guards and pick up what weapons they could on the way. 
2,000 of these slaves managed to escape out of the cities into the mountains and would wage a guerrilla warfare against the overlords of Nuceria. Mm. But there were only 2,000 of them, and um, Bar Angron, the rest of them are normal humans, and they're trying to survive up in the mountains with no supplies while waging a guerrilla warfare against these high-tech mm. armies. So it's only a matter of um, uh, time, uh, a short while, maybe a couple of weeks before, despite having some very big successes of um, hit-and-run tactics mm. against the cities, they're down to a thousand. They've halved their numbers, and now their location in the mountains is known. And seven different sort of uh, noble houses or nations combine their armies to put down this rebellion mm. before it gives hope to the oppressed across the rest of the planet. Mm. Meanwhile, yeah. the emperor is watching. He is come into the system he's aware that one of his primarch sons is on this planet he hears tale mm. ta tales of a great leader who has risen um, amongst the slaves and uh, mm. their freedom and he's intrigued but as he gets near the planet in his sort of um, vanguard ship with his elite bodyguard the custodies he sees that the slaves are about to be completely overwhelmed by many times their own number and that he's going to lose one of his primarchs. So he lands down beside Angron and beseeches him to uh, come away with him. And Angron refuses mm. because he says, my place is here with my br brothers mm. and sisters and I will mm. die with them. That is my destiny. So the emperor goes yeah. back up. He has this kind of like... I, I am Spartacus moment. Yes, exactly. And he's he's having this moment and he knows they're doomed, but he's like lived with these people. They they had their moment of freedom. They they will die mm. free and this is what they've fought for. And just as the battle's about to start, the Emperor teleports Angron off the planet, leaving mm. all the other slaves to be without leaderless and without uh, their main fighter and uh, it's only a matter of time before they're crushed and annihilated down to last by the armies so angron is not a happy bunny mm. he hates the emperor he raised the emperor basically has to use his like immense psychic powers to subdue uh angron because all angron mm. wants to do is beat the crap out of the emperor for doing this and he mm. can't understand why the emperor wouldn't save the other slaves when he's so powerful mm. the emperor's kind of like what you learn as you read the horus heresy is the emperor isn't this beneficent sort of odin uh mm. like mm. Uh, god um the emperor is a bit of an ass and yeah. uh, when you... I think you see that in all mythologies, like yeah. the king of the gods is generally like an absolute prick, like he yeah. just does what he feels like doing because he's like literally got nobody to answer to. Yeah. And so the emperor is basically like you're concerned over 1000 mortal slaves on this backwater planet. I want humanity to conquer the entire galaxy and um, mm. I need you to look at the big picture. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, Angron is just like, no, I was meant to die with my brothers and sisters. You took that from yeah. me and you do mm. them. Uh, so uh, the emperor goes, look, this is what it is. You might as well honor them by uh, <laughs> uh, helping me to conquer the galaxy. And by the way, I have a whole legion. You're talking about your brothers and sisters. I have a whole legion of genetically made sons made from your gene stock. 
Um, they're mm. called the Warhounds, and mm. they're he they're introduced. Uh, the Warhounds are the Space Marines who would become known as the World Eaters. Mm, and mm. so Angron's still not a happy bunny. So he's like basically down in the hold of this starship as the different captains of the Warhounds uh, legions try to come in and introduce themselves as his kind of leaders of his legion mm. ready to serve. And Angron greets them with death. And so every time one of them goes in to meet him, Angron just kills him. Oh, um, God, right. Okay. So um, he's no time for these Space Marine weaklings because um, they are weak yeah. compared to him. Um, yeah. And he's got no time for them and he's no connection to them. So every time the first captain goes in, kills him. Second captain goes in, kills him. Third captain goes in, kills him. Can you see where I'm going here? Goes in. <laughs> what happens to the fourth guy? <laughs> yeah. which, which captain do you think might have some success? Oh, number eight. Yes. The captain of the yes. eight. That's what you call a callback, ladies yes. and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so the captain of the eighth company is Karn. And oh, in, okay. And Karn is... Um, uh, a great leader and a very sound and tactical minded uh, space marine and he's also a, a great combatant and he's really mm. brave and tenacious so when uh, Angron starts beating him around the place uh, with a view to killing them Angron um, is just like battering Karen but Karen doesn't give up yeah and eventually I don't know if it's like the, as you said earlier, if it's the eighth wave thing or if it's just that yeah. he's been so, so busy killing the, like, you have to remember, Space Marine Captain is quite a, a potent yeah. adversary in any context. Yeah. Like, these yeah. are the leaders and the best of the best among the uh, eight foot superhuman yeah. genetic warriors. Yeah. So, like, when Angron's the best, just, of the best. Not, of the best. Yeah, and he's knocking the best of the best of these around. And then Karn, even though he's outmatched by a Primarch, keeps fighting. And eventually, Angron sort of accepts him uh, near death, hasn't beaten to a pulp. But like the fact that he just, you know, Karn's gone rocky, like, you know, his eyes yeah. hanging off his head, but he's still yeah, kind yeah. of swaying, getting back up to his feet. And yeah. Angron kind of respects this. It kind of reminds him of his um, slave brethren and. Uh, sisters back in um, New Syria so he kind of goes all right you can live I listen to you so mm. who who are you and uh, why am I here and who, who are these guys you claim are all my sons so yeah. Karn eventually becomes like the equerry to uh, Angron like he's his kind of representative his herald and yeah. uh, is the main kind of uh, space marine um, within the um legion so they start obviously they were already very aggressive because they're from the mm. same genetic pool as angron but they under his leadership they just like they they launch into every campaign and um, mm. close combat a bit like the blood angels hyper aggressive mm. bloodiest mm. of confrontations and they start destroying entire civilizations and worlds and they get the new name the world eaters um, mm. But Angron has never forgiven the Emperor for what happened. Mm. And he yeah. also has these implants, the uh, Butcher's Nails. 
And even though uh, the emperor and uh, Malkador the Sigilite, who was a very important kind of um, uh, no, number two or right hand man to the emperor, he's basically mm. he, he's basically the emperor's hand or first minister. Mm. He's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, conciliary. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So he even looks into it and finds that the butcher's nails that have been implanted on Angron when he was a slave can't be undone because they've actually replaced part of his brain and right. if they if they take them out he dies so the emperor mm. kind of decides right well even a primarch who has um no ability to think of the greater tactical picture because he's just angry and wants to smash everything he's basically the whole, mm. he's just like he yeah. wants to smash um but you know talking about sanguinius's name and blood like angron I mean, you name a child Angron. <laughs> what do you think his primary like yeah. <laughs> emotion is going to be? <laughs> so I was like, the amount of times I've had to hold back and you know not use a joke. Like, do you think he was very Angron Ang- at the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this is like there's a bit of self fulfilling prophecy in this, obviously. And mm. uh, but Angron. Um, yeah, the emperor decides that having Hulk go and smash is still better than no Primark at all. So mm. the only solution to in removing them is kill them. So they decide, right, let's use them. Let's send them to the very front lines and have them just smash everything in its mm. path. And that yeah. does happen with a certain amount of success. But also, like, whatever you direct anger on ash and the world leaders mm. it's getting destroyed they're not going to like yeah. they're not going to bring a world to compliance and maintain they're all not going to colonize they're 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 there to destroy they're there to destroy and like yeah. you know they're, they're trying to conquer a galaxy you need the whole thing is they're bringing worlds to compliance which means yeah. that they eventually become a part of the imperium but that's yeah. hard when everyone's been butchered and there's no one left yeah so yeah. um uh, I'm playing a game right now, Colin, that I think you'd like called Helldivers 2. And it's 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 kind of a mishmash between these original Starship Troopers, you know, the kind of tongue-in-cheek violence of, like, squashing bugs in the name of citizenship or whatever. Yeah. But you also, like, airdrop in, like, like, Space Marines, and it's got elements of that. But it's very much, like... They, you know what they shout at the enemy is like had taste some democracy you know what I mean? like, <laughs> shooting bullet it sounds like angron's approach to like yeah. you know <laughs> yeah so we're here to live we're here to liberate and by liberate i mean stomp you into a fine yeah, yeah. we're here we're here to liberate your blood from its vessels and yeah, liberate your yeah, head from your shoulders and um, yeah absolutely yeah so anyway they um, they continue on their quest across the galaxy and um, eventually the only way that uh, Angron will accept some of his sons is that he wants them to know what he's going through so he actually starts getting the butcher's nails implanted in some of the space marines mm. and so this is where the already hyper aggressive world leaders become what are now mm. known as corn berserkers now, uh, now they're not necessarily war. I was gonna to have to rein you in at some point yeah. because you know we're trying to circle back to corn here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, so they're they're not called corn berserkers at this point, but they're getting yeah. even more hyper aggressive. and um, because mm. the fall to corn happens when Horus starts his heresy. So mm. Horus kind of 
being war master he realizes like he's in charge of the emperor's armies now because the emperor's gone back to work on a certain project um back on terra so he hmm. labels horus war master i talked about this before it could have been horus yeah. it could have been sanguinius but horus um soon after becomes corrupted and falls to chaos hmm. and when he does he starts he doesn't just go against the emperor straight away he knows yeah. he's going to need some of his brothers to turn with him and yeah. one very first more than ready to turn against the emperor was angron and mm. not that angron had any particular sympathy for horus he just kind of hated the emperor that much yeah and that starts his path down to worshiping corn and eventually mm. lorgar another one of the primarchs arranges it kind of have to save uh, Angron's life from the butcher's nails which are actually slowly killing him and half just because he's a real kind of pious chaos follower and wants to create mm. a demon for the chaos gods mm. so he mm. kind of orchestrates that Angron becomes a, a demon prince and right. then for the rest of the campaign all his his um uh during the heresy all of the world eaters basically their armor used to be mostly white with blue shoulders and mm. when you look at them in the setting of warhammer Forty Thousand, they're all wearing red they didn't mm. change their colors it's just over ten thousand years of butchering people yeah from red and they don't clean the gore off their uh, yeah armor. yeah the armor is now stained yeah. okay yeah yeah yeah. that's yeah. kind Literal. of a, that's as brief as i can go about uh about <laughs> about uh angron i think that was like a 25 minute monologue but like <laughs> no no i i enjoy that i think it's it's like you said like every every way you go in this universe you can follow somebody's story and and, and mm-hmm. from start to finish and especially when you're talking about primarchs and you know the the you know the the history like you are talking quite literally of like ten thousand years yeah sorry folks had a bit of a technical glitch there so um yeah we were talking about angron talking about sort of his rise to becoming one of the most powerful not quite demons demon sort of like prince. you know demon princes yeah. um of of corn and obviously became a great weapon for corn then because yeah. of the fact that they can exist in the the mortal plane without having to be summoned because i think that's a lot of you know the chaos gods is that they need to be summoned or something needs to bring them into the world they don't they don't yeah. necessarily they can't necessarily enter the mortal plane at will is that is that correct yeah it's it's um it's it requires that kind of breaking down the barrier and i think demon mm. princes like uh the primarch demon princes still need chaos to be in, in ascendancy mm. but they mm. don't rely on it as much to stay in the more okay. world yeah all right yeah cool um i know we talked about this previously but where we wanted to go next with the podcast i think we've kind of like done a really good summary of corn and it's and it's it's rise and its importance and things like that have you anything else to add before we kind of move on uh, okay so the last thing you mentioned cabanda i suppose another blood thirster who i'd mentioned and i'm going to keep this really mm. short um is uh scarbrand uh you have to mm. mention scarbrand so scarbrand um you can play him in Age of Sigmar or you can play him in Warhammer 40,000. But Scarbrand is, um, again, a bit like Cabanda, was one of the exalted demons of Corn. He mm. was so mighty, they reckon he was Corn's favorite. Um, mm. But then uh, Zinch somehow managed to get in Scarbrand's ear and tell him 
you should have a pop of corn himself. Um, you you could be the chaos god. So, <laughs> so Scarbrand. Um, now I'm definitely paraphrasing how that came about, but uh, Scarbrand narrator's voice. He wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Scarbrand basically goes up and hits corn. Uh, whatever mm. manifestation that's a, like that can happen within the warp of gods and demons and stuff. Mm. Scarbrand basically goes up and has a pop of corn and like hits yeah. him. And so corn is absolutely disgusted at the insult and he breaks Scarbrand's wings and kind of melts away half of his face and everything else. Um, but corn kind of. Um, you know he's he's a strange god because you know obviously one part of him is like how dare you and another part of him is like fair play for trying <laughs> so yeah. so he makes sure to like punish him so when yeah. scarbrand doesn't have the big wings like he has the skeleton of the wings left but the wings have been yeah. kind of broken uh, so yeah. he has to walk around everywhere on foot um mm. and <laughs> <laughs> so that's part of it <laughs> like trudging like yeah, you know, yeah, bus yeah. Like her, yeah i can't like i can't get to the killing because i have to walk <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh but scarbrand again similar to that um what you described about cabanda scarbrand um basically takes on two other greater demons uh um bloodthirsters and destroys their very essence and they become his two weapons so his two axes both contain the trapped souls of other bloodthirsters that he has destroyed well that was kind of uh, we've just had a bit of a computer glitch and the audience don't know that a few days have passed but <laughs> yeah, i actually learned that yeah, it was in the, yeah, that piece of the podcast was lost in the war. But that's sort of a, a high-level introduction to Korn, Cabanda, some of the Bloodthirsters. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed learning about it. Uh, but we're going to now sort of shift towards their representation in games, tabletop-wise and things like that. So I'm going to hand it over to you on this one. Like, I can picture the models, but can you kind of elaborate on how they play as a faction, let's say, if we're talking about tabletop? Yeah, sure. So, um, I again, I'm going to talk about two game systems here. Um, mm. About Age of Sigmar because I actually have a corn army for Age of Sigmar, and one of the things I enjoyed about them, uh, the hobby being what it is, um, I was only meant to dip my toe into Age of Sigmar, and now I have a, an entire two thousand point plus corn army. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now my wife has left me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, she is um, the Angron in this situation. <laughs> and, uh, oh, no, I have to say, uh, in reality, it's amazing how much support she gives me. Uh, I don't know um, how she puts up with me. Um, so we, we, we have this one room in the house where I'm allowed to keep uh, my junk uh, as long as it's not it doesn't manifest itself anywhere else. So <laughs> um, I suppose having that room makes me very fortunate. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so how did they work? So the Blades of Corn army I have, you have an option. You can play it with all the demons or you can play it with all the mortals. And I, I like the, the it's, they're kind of like these barbarian mortals. And what I love about the way they play is you can play them very simply. Now, in Age of Sigmar, obviously a very clever tactician is going to have all these little pl plots and ploys and everything else. But you can also, because they're not into shooting or magic, 
you just want to charge them across the table and get into close combat. So it's yeah. really, it's like really fun blood army. Blood for the blood god. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they have this system called blood tide points. So every time a unit is destroyed, yours or your opponents, you get a blood tide point. And blood tide point, you can spend them on when you collect enough of them. Obviously, eight is the higher bracket, being that special number. But even like one can do useful things for you. And obviously, the more you get, the more blood has been spilled, the more powerful the effect. But it's cool because you can choose to spend this um, currency of blood either on kind of allowing your existing units to do like extra fighting maybe mm. to advance and charge which normally you can't do or mm. maybe even do an extra round of fighting in a turn outside of the normal sequence so lots of things that are really cool and very close combat orientated mm. but you can also use those points to summon demons of corn so mm. you've got the um you've got the choice and it's a really fun mechanic because when your opponent that has shooting or magic is wiping some of your units, you're still kind of going, excellent. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, you've got like your chaff barbarian units, blood reavers, and you just send them out, get killed. And then you've got your heavy hitters that you're mm. boosting with all these blood tie points. So um, really cool. And a lot of units with some element of skull or blood in their name. So there's blood, re <laughs> like, there's blood reavers, there's blood warriors, there's uh, slaughter priests, um, <laughs> uh, skull crushers. Um, and what I love about the, the slaughter priests is corn um, hates magic. Yeah. But, uh, the slaughter priest can pray and it has kind of esoteric effects um, which usually involve boiling the blood of your opponent and doing something very similar to a spell, but it's not a spell. <laughs> it's not uh, a spell. Yeah, it's like Korn, uh, Korn's such a badass. He breaks everybody's rules, including his own. He's yeah. like, yeah, I, I hate magic, but uh, I'm going to let my yeah. priest worshippers boil your blood yeah. from a distance. But uh, <laughs> that's how angry it's, I am. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that mechanic. It's very like... Like you said, your opponent is like, I'm getting kills here, but I also am making my opponent stronger at the same time, which is incredibly yeah. thematic for corn because we know yeah. deaths feed corn. Deaths doesn't matter whose deaths, how like where they are, who they are, are they enemies, are they friendlies? Like corn just gets stronger with death, yeah. you know. Or, or or so I like that. I like that. Yeah, and it's like they've got this cool. A lot of the units then have this cool um, element. Um, that they can fight on death and they they've streamlined this a bit now um it used to be that like you could like roll all their attacks and everything before mm. they got taken up off the table so like even when you're killing them they're gonna hit you back more mm. but now they've but they've streamlined that instead of going through chucking loads more dice they kind of can do mortal wounds on death which is kind of like these auto injuries to the enemy so it kind of speeds up the process but it still has that effect that even while you're killing these guys, they're going to kill you as they go down. So they like okay. So they yeah, they swing back like one last time, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, very like um, that Urukai that Legolas can't quite put down before he blows up the wall at Helm's Deep. Oh you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. To keep to keep fighting even on death. So um, mm. yeah, very very cool. And in 40k, then very similar idea. Um, they're just in the 41st millennium but they're still shedding skulls from their bodies and shedding blood from the blood god and it's like mm. 
it's um that idea of charging across the um charging across the battlefield getting into close combat then you see some of the big characters represented like um uh, angron is this amazing model they brought out like codex world eaters about a year ago at the end of ninth edition and they're still quite a fun faction to play in 10th edition and again Angron, the Primarch, the Demon Primarch, and his Corn Berserkers from the World Eater Legion. Mm. They're just, again, similar mechanic. They get a lot of kind of extra points for things just being dead, and uh, they like to just charge across whatever they can. Mm. And yeah, they've got some plasma pistols and ball pistols, but really they want to get the axe to your neck. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Are the plasma pistols, but like, are they kind of like the spoils of war? Or are they, I'm trying to picture what like a chaos pistol looks like (laughs) so it's like again remember these guys were space oh these are humans sorry yeah yeah apologies yeah Yeah, i'm 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 forgetting they're not demons they're actual or were people or traitor legions or whatever sorry apologies they have a lot of their equipment that's probably got a few extra Mm. spikes and the odd tentacle coming out of it but it's still that's what i really like about the aesthetic of chaos marines is yes they are people but they have these kind of weird like some of them have these kind of weird mutations or abnormalities and they're just like there's something not right about them you know that's yeah. that's a really cool aesthetic i think yeah yeah and like it's 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 what's great about corn is like when i first started playing them in age of sigmar um but i imagine it's the same with 40k like you know you're the bad guy and you know that even your your units being butchered is pleasing corn so it's like <laughs> a really nice faction to play because even if you don't win you can kind of go oh well corn's happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> for a moment yeah, well, you might i, I guess uh, having never played the faction itself you might be feeling like does it help you feel like if you're losing you still feel like you're winning in a sense that you're getting not even that like the the, the metaphorical like skulls for the for the skull throne but your faction is genuinely getting that little bit stronger and you're getting a little bit more abilities is, is the same mechanic apply to the 40k and um, from, from what I know of the from what I know of the 40k rules, yeah, I've had like I've read a few battle reports and White Dwarf mm. stuff, uh, the mm. um, Games Workshops magazine, and like you you see, it seems to be like once these guys like you make them angry and they'll punish you for it. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So until you actually stop them moving, they're gonna yeah. hurt you. And it's yeah. it's that it's that idea. Like um, they have some like mortal human followers. They're called jackals, and they're just yeah. like again standard humans, slightly angrier, and they're kind mm. of the chaff. They're like you know yeah. they're they're there to take objectives that you don't want to be sitting your corn berserkers on because you want yeah. them to charge the enemy okay. and you also don't mind mm. if these cheaper units get killed so there's just a bit of like yeah. spending pawns and trying to mm. use their debts and the debts of your enemies to fuel mm. your heavy hitters but it's it's a nice mm. mechanic yeah 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 um, that's cool because you know sometimes you might be playing a game and you're losing and you're like oh you know you you haven't lost but you know you can't win you know you've been mm. in those scenarios before whatever the game might be but yeah. i feel like if you're playing as corn you're like well no i'm actually kind of getting slightly stronger here you know yeah because I'm, like, even though i'm losing i still feel like i could be in this game because i have you know potentially unlocked maybe more powerful moves to a certain yeah I don't like know. One, one thing i've seen that even um angron if you uh, angron's obviously been a demon primark a very expensive unit to take mm. he's an absolute like meat blender and mm. uh, he will 
chop up anything that's put in front of him. But he, because he's this immortal demon, I think mm. it's like some sort of mechanic where even if you kill him, he mm. can re-manifest um, for okay. another turn and stuff. So like yeah. you might put him down, but he's back. That's um, cool. Yeah, and that can make him very scary because it's probably yeah. hard to put him down in the first place. So That's thematic. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Very cool. Cool. Um, all right. I want to move on then. Um, we played a little bit of Mordheim. Uh, yeah. Is it two weeks ago, three weeks ago now at this point? My first ever. Yeah. Three weeks start, ago. Start of February, 3rd of February. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Where was this? The 20th now. So nearly three weeks mm-hmm. ago. That doesn't feel that long. And I had a blast. Um, I really liked um, having played a little bit of tabletop games, generally under your tutelage. Um, <laughs> I liked the, yeah, the kind of, I don't know, the intimacy. It's probably the best way I can describe it. Like you're essentially yeah. like to the people who are not familiar, like Mordheim is is tabletop fighting, battling, you know, demons versus men versus uh, um and and but it's still rolling dice, but ultimately you're controlling a smaller squad and it's kind of like squad-based combat. And we played it in a really cool setting where we had like basically we built a little village out of out of yeah. models so it's kind of like in street corners like a nasty brawl in in, yeah. in and around street corners and i think yeah. that's the vibe that mordheim goes for is that correct like is that yeah the feeling? definitely like um mordheim was released at the end of 1999 and uh i think it mightn't have been properly out till 2000 um mm. but it's um so it's like 20, 25 years old. Um, mm. I suppose my soft spot for that, as I've mentioned a few times, uh, that's when I got into the hobby. And it's mm. when I was getting into Warhammer 40,000, but I got into this as well. And yeah. I probably was in this kind of beautiful, naive period where I didn't, it was such a flash in the pan sort of game. It wasn't yeah. supported after 2004, but because I was there playing it in that time it was released, I always mm. saw it as one of the, the OG games workshop games, uh, like yeah. in my experience, obviously the company's a lot older mm. than that. But mm. um, I always had the soft spot for it. And I mentioned one of our other episodes, like sheer nostalgia and reminiscing with my friend Josh. Mm. Um, that got this rolling. Like we've, our, the campaign's grown. There's actually more players after joining. Like we, yeah. we have about like 14, I think we've 15 or 16 players in, in yeah. this campaign now. And it's, um, yeah, it, it, so you see, so you got to finally play a game. You swore in your uh, episode two you were going to get a game in the ne- next one. You did. So yeah, we did yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, uh, but what I really enjoyed about it was we played a two v two because you obviously have everything. You, you've built out this wonderful campaign and this sort of world, and it's sort of faction based. But like, you didn't want people to feel like if they didn't get to play that they were letting their faction down. And I guess you're going to probably rejig the rules. And you, you had a speci- you had a specific um, additional rules. P- people, you had shards of um, I, f- I forgot Weird the material. Still weird stone so they were on the map and you could you could take that and then you also introduced like taking prisoners and yes. you know the the sort of monthly faction or the monthly rules will change and yeah. no, I, I i i just enjoyed playing games with you first of all for the first time in quite some time um obviously i hadn't played a tabletop game like that in a long long time so it was it was what i did find hard though was because you've been in it for so long and you're trying to roll for like hits and then wounds and then you know mm. you know oh four plus on this three plus on that you just you just know that like that's just you you know you can picture the the graph in your head toughness versus strength versus you know because that's yeah. you've been in it for so long 
I did find that we moved through that so quickly that no, and I'm, this is not blaming you, but I never got the opportunity to figure out why sometimes it was a three plus or why sometimes yes. it was a four plus. And, and that's, you know, for the sake of speed, like it still took us about two and a half to three hours to play the game. Yeah. And that's because we were all probably not, maybe not all, but I felt like even though yeah. I was, even though I was probably the, the least experienced, everyone was still kind of trying to re-remember how things were working yeah. properly. I, I suppose even for, um, like I'll say a few things. So firstly, it is qu quite an outdated mechanics. Um, mm. I think something you alluded to that real appeal of Mordheim is the setting, the kind yeah. of the, the atmosphere that you're creating, that kind of intimate street brawl, this mm. idea of adventuring more bands clashing together against each mm. other in the ruined streets. But um, the mechanics are quite outdated. Like a lot of more recent games are cutting out some of the dice rolling phases that like in some games now like one page rules are a great company that kind of do games yeah. workshop like games you mentioned these to me before yeah like they've cut out the the wound roll so you basically roll to hit and then if the models hit it has some sort of armor save and mm. if it makes it good if it doesn't it's dead so instead of having to hit to wound and then armor you've just got this you know it cuts a whole phase out yeah really streamlines the game and obviously being an older rule set more than doesn't have that and another thing i kind of i i reflected on our game afterwards and one of the things i realized was oh do you know what i kind of thought because there was two beginners that if two kind of more established players played it would kind of help but then i thought actually it's probably more helpful for a beginner just to play a game against an experienced player one-on-one -on -one. and mm. then like you were saying i if i was just playing say me versus you i could have given you that time to fully understand what you had mm. but i suppose what i've learned with a lot of board games in general the more players you add you're adding time to the game so yeah. i think your first game if it had been you versus me and i could have guided you through it it mm. would have been maybe half the time and you probably would have um, been able to ask your questions and we wouldn't, it's probably more confusing because we're trying to move between twice the amount of players. And mm. that was kind of something on, on reflection. It was fun to do, yeah, but it absolutely. definitely wow. doubled, doubled the time that it would have yeah, taken. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that, I guess that like considering I was, uh, you know, the newest player there, everyone had had mm. experience with tabletop games, whether it was, you know, 40K or Age of Sigmar. Um, but like you, a lot of the guys that we play with, like literally haven't touched Mordheim in like two decades. You know, this yeah. was a, this, this not like, there's definitely like a niche you found as like these people who are big into Mordheim for those three years that it was out. And yeah, like, yeah. This was the greatest game that was ever made. Yeah, yeah. So, I like, and I then, think but then what's cool, cool about it as well is you, you have your warbands and then they, you know, you get experience and gold and you can then upgrade them for the next time. But I, but I think what I really i like about it is that fact that it's not wrapped up in this like 40k and age sigmar are kind of you have this overarching like massive universe that that sort of covers the whole thing and you feel like you need to be in like me in this whole podcast series is like you feel like you need to know everything but yeah. because mordheim is very narrow and very focused in its in its what it's about scope. it's about like yeah it, it's scope that's the right word it's mm -hmm. it's very much like a bunch of 
war bands just fighting over this like primitive resource and trying to get back to Mordheim. And what happens is just these street brawls break out every now and again. And and yeah. it's less about like jet setting across the universe and, and crusades like trying to take down planets. It's more, yeah, like that that yeah. focus scope and nasty brawling atmosphere, you know? And it's it's, it's like a post-apocalyptic treasure hunt zombie survival sort of yeah thing. yeah yeah like um, and yeah, that's it like we had we had what what looked to be like i had my zombies and vampires fighting against what looked like spanish conquistadors back <laughs> <to> fight, you <laughs> yeah. know fighting against like demons and stuff it was it yeah, was yeah. um it was it was quite it was quite a lot of fun yeah I enjoyed it. and it's 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 fun as well because again like despite the mechanics maybe being old like there's still these great cinematic moments like there's this one point where Oshin um and a big shout out to Oshin and Paul that played with us but like Oshin's um he's got the cult of the possessed and his big thing is having these big possessed mutants and like yeah. one of his main ones was like uh blocking Paul's conquistador warband behind them kind of like meant to be this like um meat shield wall of muscle and you mm. just uh set your dire wolf on it and it like bit it in the neck and killed it in one charge <laughs> and it was like whoa <laughs> I, I got off to a great start i felt really bad i was rolling a lot of sixes and i like one yeah. shot at a lot of the, the 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 my enemy and i you know that kind of while i felt good i was also like i'm just a newbie here i shouldn't be able to like one shot <laughs> like experience people but yeah. as as we found out as the closer to the end of the game we both ended up running away because we took mm. so many casualties yeah but, but there was another wonderful moment where one of his big meat shields remember it was kind of like in a in a in a narrow archway was kind yeah. of faced with zombie some of my zombies some of your guard some of your men yeah. Yeah. and it was just like mopping the floor with everything. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. picture this giant big hulking brute like and you're yeah. trapped in this narrow corridor with it and all your pals yeah. and you're like i'm gonna get smushed here like there's yeah. nothing you can do about uh, it. And, and and the first uh i like yourself i eventually routed and uh one of the reasons was um you need your heroes for like you know a, a post game the cool thing about more time in the campaign as you saw was after mm. the game you're roll and see what happened to your injury uh, or your injured mm. um, uh, fighters and also your heroes might like develop skills and advance and just that rpg element but yeah. uh, like it can be quite brutal at times um and like your casualties can be permanently killed and when that happens to your heroes you're in trouble because they're the ones mm. that explore looking for weird stone and I have this one hero, he's a young blood by the name of Hans. And he's been my first casualty in every game I've played so far. And he somehow manages to survive every game, but he somehow manages to be robbed of all of his equipment every game. <laughs> so, so I like this, this Hans character, he's just going on this amazing adventure um, of being a completely inadequate moron, but uh, he somehow manages to blunder his way through. He ends up naked at the end of every single battle, like yeah. finding his way home with no clothes and no weapons. Yeah. But he's so, like, that was worth it. Yeah, so <laughs> totally of, worth. So one of the things is um, spears are expensive enough, like they're, they're 10 gold crowns and he's lost three of them. So <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually after uh, converting a new model for hands and I've made them with certain parts that look 
similar to the initial model, but instead of equipping them with a spear, I'm now giving them a sword and a dagger because swords yeah. are a more defensive weapon. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, <laughs> that in his next game, he might yeah. manage to not get taken out of action first yeah. thing in front of everybody else. But uh, yeah. the, the hand saga continues. Like, you okay, know? yeah, we'll, we'll keep you updated, everybody on our hand. Cool. Well, we're we're kind of at time right now. Um, I in the in the intermission between our two recording sessions, we were chatting about what we want to talk about next, and I alluded to the fact that I'm reading the first and only uh, first and only book, first and only, yes. is that what it's called, yes. first and only uh, about the Tanith Legion. Um, uh, you recommended uh, Gaunt's Ghosts, and I love it. I, I think I I think the unit like the seeing the 40k universe from the perspective of a grunt on the ground versus you know the traditional space marine yeah. viewpoint you know is is a completely different experience so i think the focus of our next podcast will be the imperial guard and more specifically the talent legions and who they are and where they come from i i am conscious i don't really want to spoil the books for myself not only for my viewers but selfishly for myself but um, I think we'll focus a little bit more on the Imperial Guard, who they are. And I think, again, as we talked pre-recording, the fact that like the Imperial Guard, you forget, is not just one color uniform, one type of person. Like they're they're drawn from all of the planets uh, yes. under the in the Empire, and they've all got their different cultures. They come from different, mm. you know, um, every planet is different in their yeah. cultures and everything. So I think it's, I think it's a cool place to start and it's it, genuinely what's piqued my interest. To talk yeah, about next. It is. And what you're going to find is if you thought there were rabbit holes talking about space Marines, Roger, uh, there are some amount of rabbit holes talking about all the different <laughs> regiments of the Imperial guards. So I'm sure. I'm sure you're, you're going to be reeling me yeah. in nonstop yeah. in the next episode. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Have have your reeling your reeling leash ready. <laughs> Get my sound my my air horn my sound effect. <laughs> um, that's great. Um, so yeah, um, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Um, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, we've got a Facebook page now. Yes. Uh, I'll try and leave a link wherever in the description to this podcast. Please come say mm -hmm. hello if it's your first time ever listening. Um, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm Roger and my good friend Colin. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roger.